We exalt you above all, God, all that we know, all that we experience, Father. You are the one who loved us to send us, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we now just stand in your presence, looking into your word. And we're asking, God, that you would illuminate it to our hearts, to our minds. Father, make the word of God real to us. Again, we always allude to those two men on the road to Emmaus when they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And again, that's what we ask, that through your Holy Spirit, our hearts would burn. It would be alive unto the word of God. So, Father, please bless your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. You may be seated. We are in Luke, if you'll turn there, chapter 2. This is our fourth week uh, going through a series, studying the life and the, the footsteps of Christ. Luke chapter 2. Just trying to think where I want to start here. We had uh, started uh, several weeks ago, probably around verse 21, um, just speaking about the origin of of Christ and that he was in the beginning. uh, He was the creator and he was the giver of life and light. And um, that chapter basically was a chapter that exhorted faith. You are never going to understand the eternal when you say that Jesus always was, always is, and is to come. That's something the human mind cannot embrace or comprehend. And then we said, how? Then how did he come? Or, you know, where did he come? He comes through Bethlehem, in the town of Bethlehem, to a virgin a uh, young lady, 16 years old or so, and we said, why? And uh, that was our study last week, and that was he came to save sinners. And that basically set the whole foundation for our study. Now, I, you know, thinking ahead, I'll probably do another month of studying and following the, the footsteps, then we might just take a break from that and go back into the Old Testament for a period of time, but then return again following the steps of Christ. Um, in this chapter, chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 21, it says that when eight days were accomplished for cir- uh, circumcising the child, his name was called Jesus which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law, speaking of Mary, the, uh, of Moses were accomplished, they brought him uh, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. 
to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Uh, The same man was uh, just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. It came, uh, and he came in by the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Then took he him up in his arms, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms, and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy, or thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of of him. And Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set forth, I'm sorry, is set forth the fall and rising again of many in Israel. For a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel, tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow for about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, And spake of him to all them that looked for the redemption in Jerusalem. Let's just stop right there, gang. Uh, Three important events in this chapter. uh, Early in the life of Christ. um, From eight days to 40 days. According to their law, every Jewish male had to be presented to the Lord uh, at the temple. Uh, he is to be circumcised on the eighth day, uh, a dedication on the fortieth uh, day. Um, the circumcision. Now that goes all the way back to Genesis chapter seventeen. It's the rhyme and reason for it. Well, you could take a couple weeks and study rhyme and reason for um, the, the right of circumcision, but primarily it's, uh, this is the way that God was showing the world that the Jewish race, the, the Israel, was a unique people. No other nation required the cutting away of the flesh. It was also a sign that they were to live among the other nations, but they were not to be a part of them, that they were to be a distinct people. And also, the rite of circumcision was a covenant promise with Abraham that one day they would live in a promised land. Now, it wasn't that Jesus needed to be circumcised. But, according to him, him, on the Sermon of the Mount, he didn't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. If you want to think about it in a practical way, though, 
Can you imagine the ministry of Jesus if he wasn't circumcised eighth day, presented at the table 40th day, mom given the two turtle doves as a sacrifice? What would his ministry have been like if he hadn't done those things? He would have been a joke. How could he have stood there at the Temple Mount as an uncircumcised Jew? He would be a hypocrite. He would never have an audience, not by the Jewish ear. He had to go through the rite and fulfill all the Mosaic law, and part of it was the law of circumcision. How would he have been able to open up the book of Isaiah and say, Today, this prophecy is fulfilled in your very years. If he wasn't totally Jewish, born a Jew, born in Bethlehem, from the tribe of Judah, fulfilling all the prophecies. So it was important for Jesus, not that he needed to to do anything in a religious way, but that he would have the hearts and the minds of all those that are willing to listen. Um. It tells us in verse 21 that on the eighth day, when, when the accomplishment for the circumcising of the, church, of the child, his name was Jesus. The second event was the naming of Christ, or Jesus. We know that he was named way before that. In fact, the angel would appear to Joseph in a dream and say, Don't be afraid to take Mary unto yourself, for what's in her is conceived of the Holy Ghost, and you are going to call his name Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, for he will save his people from... that. Jesus' name was picked before the foundations of the world that he would be one who would be called Emmanuel, God with us. But, But to fulfill again the law, they made sure officially, legally, that they put, as it were, on his birth certificate. They didn't have one, but that his name would definitely be called Jesus. Let's put the brakes on just a tad there. That name is very important to you and I, yes? Yeah. But then why? Many would say, well, I was born and raised to believe in Jesus. You see, there is no other name given among men whereby a man can be saved. But we know it's not the spelling of it. It's not J-E-S-U-S. We know that his name means something. It's a, that name demonstrates what he, who he is or what he was, who he is and what he's going to become. It's that he is all the attributes of God are wrapped up in, th- in that name, Joshua, Je- Jesus, translated in the Septuagint, Jesus. That he would be the king of kings. He would be the redeemer. He would be the one who died on the sin for... So when we say that in the onima of God, we're saying this is the very name whereby I got saved under. The name, the onima of God. There's nothing magical in Jesus. They, people throw that name around like it's swish cheese. Jesus. Really? Do you know him? I love that one. God, where? That name is so blasphemed every day. And it should not be blasphemed among us. Well, how do we make sure we don't? Be real. Just be real. 
don't use the name of God as a, a slur or a talk to him. Call him Jesus. But be real with him. Don't misuse him. Don't misuse his name. His name is called Jesus, which was also named at the latter part of verse 21, named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, the third event, and he's only 40 days old, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished. You see, Mary wanted to get back into worship. Their law stated that once a woman gave birth, she was considered ceremonially unclean for 40 days. And she was to present herself to the temple. Now, she could not go past the court of the women. So this this didn't happen actually right there, dead smack in front of the temple. You have to remember there were three different courts. Gentile, women, men. She's only halfway there and she can't go any further because she's a woman. But she, in order to do all the celebrations and keep all the feasts from Pentecost, Tabernacle, all the mandatory feasts, she had to go through this Mosaic law. Now, you, if you were rich and wealthy and famous and you had a, a young boy and you wanted to get back into worship and you could afford it, you would bring a lamb. I mean, you would bring a spotless, beautiful Lamb, and you would present that to the priest who was in duty, and you would say, I'm bringing this as my offering. I want to get back in the swing of things here. The, the turtle doves that they presented was not for Jesus. That was not for him. It was for Mary. But he still had to be presented at the temple. Now, what does this tell us? Well... The turtle doves, or the two pigeons, which Mary and Joseph brought, were considered a poor man's offering. You know, I just see just humility all through the life of Christ. Even from the prophets prophesying that he would be wounded and bruised and his hands and his feet would be pierced for us. He's painted as a lamb being sacrificed. It's very humbling. He comes to one of the poorest areas, Bethlehem. Bethlehem is just a no-name spot on the map. Nobody's going for a vacation at Bethlehem. And he's birthed in Bethlehem, not in a hospital, not in a synagogue, but in a cave. And he is put into a saliva dripping water trough called a manger. The manger scenes we see at Christmas time, it's so wrong. It's, I laugh at them. I, I, you know, I, would I put one up? Yes, I, I would. I, I would. But that nice, cozy-looking little wooden shack with the nice, clean hay. Listen, I raised goats with our kids. I know what a stable smells like. I know what wants, wants to run around inside that. There's nothing clean about Erm's always, wash your hands, you were in the barn, you know. Very, very humble beginning for Christ. 16-year-old virgin. 
Why? She'll be the laughing stock of all of Jerusalem. In fact, they actually, when they got mad at Jesus in the Gospels, called him a bastard, called Mary someone who fornicated. Which is a very humble. And here they are coming to the temple. I, and listen, I, I apologize if I'm maybe painting a picture. We're not. It's not biblical. It's just the way I see things. But they're not dressed in fancy clothes. They're not. They're not. They're they're riding on a stinking donkey. Just one. They can only afford one. And they come very. They they come in a very humble manner, and they present the poor man's offering. How did we ever get to this place where we equate money with Christianity? Could someone tell me that? How did we get to this place where in the Christian mindset today, across the board in Christendom, one should be rich and, and, and prosperous and have everything together or something's wrong with their life? When you look at the way Christ came into the world in a dirty manger... Can't afford a lamb, so they got to give two pigeons. So Mary could go worship again. Guys, I really believe with all my heart that what God really looks for in a man or a woman is humility. And men, isn't that hard? I mean, ladies, I know you deal with things, but... For a guy, he just wants to prove himself all the time. He wants to be the king of his house. He wants to appear strong. He wants to act like he's got it all together. He'll falsify stories just to make himself look good. Don't lie to me, men. We do it all the time. How you doing, brother? Great. You're crying inside. That's just a lie. Well, Harry, I just want to be lifted up. I just, I want to be important to the kingdom. Well, if you want to be important to the kingdom, then bow to the cross and humble yourself. Just like Christ. Left all glory. Left the eternal. And became a man. Not just any man. But a servant. Not, he didn't come as a king. He came as a servant. He humbled himself all the way to the point of death. If you want to be lifted up, then bow the knee. Don't look for your rewards here on earth. Look for your rewards in heaven. It says in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same... Man was just and devout, and a little small commentary about him. Waiting for the consolation of Israel, or your translation might say peace, waiting for the peace. Another term, another name for the Messiah, that he would be the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. You know, there's just there's a couple of things about this guy that you just love. Okay, he's, he's serving in the temple, and he's ser- serving there. And it, the commentary about him is he's, just a just, he's a just man. Most commentaries will say he was just, fair, he was an honest man towards his fellow man. He was, an, he was a great guy. 
You know, there was, he was the real deal. But he was fair. And, there, and I think the Holy Spirit brings that to our intention because it is in contradiction to what Judaism was like then. Because if you were to look at a Pharisee or a scribe, you wouldn't say he's a just or fair man. You wouldn't have said that because you know that within Judaism at that time, there was nothing but this struggle for power and for money. That was a problem Jesus had with them. If you remember going into the Temple Mount, place that should be a place of prayer. You made it into a den of thieves and robbers. You've ripped off the people. And who was he really talking to? He wasn't talking to the multitude. He was talking to the religious people. He was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were the, well, let's say they were the, the legalists of the day. They, they, they claimed that they would keep the Mosaic law, Levitical law. They would widen the, the, the fringe on, or, or the border on their, on their robe and they would make it long on their phylacteries. And that was a demonstration of how they've kept the law. And Jesus rebuked them for that. That wasn't Simeon. Yet he's still in the ministry. See, this blows my mind. He's still there. He's still serving. That tells me he still loves God, even in the face of all the craziness of Judaism, of the Pharisaic mentality, and also the Sadducees, which is the Sadducees. They were the liberals. They didn't believe in anything. They just wanted the power and the money. Boy, doesn't that sound like Christianity today? My goodness. You got all those that want to lay nothing but a guilt trip on you. And then you have the other one saying, hey, anything goes. We don't even have to mention sin or the cross. But just make sure you keep dumping money into the church. And Satan doesn't have any new tricks, does he? It's not a popular message. Two godly people. Simeon and Anna. What I love about this guy is he's got a relationship with God. It tells us that he was devout. And apparently he had the Holy Spirit upon him and had revealed to him that he was not going to see death until he set his eyes on the Messiah. So that, you know what that tells me also. He's waiting for the consolation. Two things about this guy. One, I think he loved God. And in the face of all this other stuff that was going on around him, he didn't care. He was still going to serve him. But the other thing, I think he was a student of Scripture. I think he's there reading Daniel chapter, chapter 9. And comparing it with maybe Nehemiah chapter 2. Thinking, wait a minute, King Artaxerxes, he gave that command to go and rebuild the wall. That was a spring of 440 Two, and if we do our math and we know that he's going to be 30 or 30, yeah, 30 years old. So if we count off David's prophecies, the, what was it, 770 to 880 uh, days. If we do our math, the 69 heptads, my goodness, he could come any day. And I think that's why he was waiting and he's longing. He's, he's just waiting. Every kid that came in, is that him? Is that the guy? Is this going to be our consolation? There wasn't too many that were waiting for the consolation of Israel. There wasn't too many that were waiting for 
his first coming. Only a remnant. I say that to say this. Today, there's not too many looking for the second coming. They're so wrapped up in being a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They're so wrapped up in what their ideologies are, their theology. They're so wrapped up in that, that they're not waiting with anticipation for the second coming. And we have the roadmap right in front of us. Simeon probably read the scriptures. We read the scriptures. We see what's happening in Israel. We see what's happening with the signs of the time. We have it. And you and I, like a Simeon and like an Anna, we should be looking and longing for the return of Christ. Can I be real with you? It's not time to goof off. You have too many people that you love and you want to see them into the kingdom. Look around you. He's coming back. The Holy Ghost was upon him. It was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. That he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Just totally amazing. He came by the Spirit into the temple. He's actually led by the Holy Spirit. Hey, can you imagine that? Uh, Simeon, I want you to head off to the temple. Why, Lord? You know, and his heart. Again, forgive me if I'm just painting these pictures for you. But I see this guy almost trembling. You know, this is an old man. He's been serving God with all his heart. He's totally ignored everything around him with all the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He just wants to be real with God. And now he's just in all of a sudden he sees this donkey coming with a woman on it and a husband neck. And they got two turtle doves. And this is him. And this is him. And it's closer he gets to Simeon. God said, this is him. Meltdown. <laughs> I know I would. Hey, listen, I know there's, it's as fast as the twinkling of an eye, but if you heard the trump, tell me you wouldn't melt down. It's as fast as the twinkling of an eye, a nanosecond. We won't have the time to melt down, but I'll tell you if you could. Oh, here, here he comes. No, that's why I like doing these. I'm about four feet higher than you. I'll be first. Just kidding. You know, I have this crazy thing. I collect a lot of old records, you know, from back in the Jesus People movement. And there's one I've been listening to. I'm going to wear a hole in it, I think. But one of the songs is, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back, he's coming back. And I'm in my office singing, away, hoping to God nobody hears me. And, uh, but he is coming back, folks. No man knows the hour of the day, but we know he's coming back. It tells us that he came by the spirit into the temple and when he and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. And this is this um, this uh, uh, dedication, perfect timing. God always works by a perfect time, a perfect timing. Now, if I were to leave this section here, what would be my my main thought? Well, I think that um, for for Simeon and, and Anna, um, they didn't allow their lives to be so complicated to where they missed, they would miss the coming of the consolation of Israel. And I think if we were to leave here 
just with this thought, we would do well. Christianity is a mess right now. It is. Prophetically, it should be. But that really bothers a lot of people. They look at some of the nuttiness they see on TV or they, they just keep hearing people always begging and asking for money. Or they have this real hyper charismaniac kind of thing going on. And, and people who are genuinely searching for God get so discouraged when they see all this nonsense. You see, what they, what they have done is they've complicated it. Being a child of God, being a, a son or a daughter to the king, isn't complicated. Listen, kids, please listen. Falling in love with Jesus isn't complicated. Asking him into your heart isn't complicated. Letting him rule and reign and speak to you in the quietness of your heart, in your prayer room, that does, it's not rocket science. Jesus said, like, if you don't come to me as a little child, like a, a child, then you're not going to have a part in the kingdom. And how, how complicated does children, well, do they make things, you know? Do you believe God created an earth? Oh, yeah. You think Jonah got swallowed by a fish, a big one. You believe Jesus is coming back? Yes. For who? For those that love him. Well, what about for the religious people and the Sadducees and the Pharisees? And what about all the different ideologies and theologies? And What? And we begin to complicate things. Walking with God is not complicated. It takes two things. Humility and serving him. You serve him in some capacity... You'll keep Jesus simple in your life. Don't serve him. And you're going to continue to try to figure things out and just make a mess of things. Verse 28. Then took he up in his arms. Can you see Simeon just reaching out and grabbing this child? And oh, he blessed God and he said, Lord, now let us thou servant depart in peace. According to your word, according to your promise, God, I can go. My eyes have seen your salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, the glory, the glory of the people of Israel. What a picture. I just love this. You know, instead of going and trying to think, okay, well, wait a minute, man. Let's get back into the books. Let's get some of the tours out. Let's get the law. Let's see. He just, I just love this. He's just a man who just knows how to give thanks. Doesn't the word tell us, tell us to be thankful in all things? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I mean, how, how many commentaries do you need on that? In all things, give thanks. All things, well, Harry, exactly in the Greek, what does it mean by all? It means all. Well, Harry, I'm in a really bad way, and I, you know, I just lost. You get thanking for it. Well, how come on, how you mean, well, doesn't it say that all things will work out for the good to them that love him, that are called according to his purpose? Does it not say that? Well, yes, but get rid of the butt and just sit on it. There's no but. Stop making it complicated. 
Well, how? I just was diagnosed with a horrible disease. Well, praise God. What are you talking about? Well, maybe you'll go home to be with the Lord one day. How bad is that? Well, I just lost my job. Well, maybe he has a better one for you. Or maybe somebody needs Christ at another job and, and God's sending you there. See, we make it complicated with worryment and with fear. We let all these anxieties just come into our hearts rather than to say, wait a minute, God, you've got this. I know the word of faith movement probably would roll over in their graves if they heard that. Lord, thou just let me go. Let me die in peace, he says. One of the things that you can say about Simeon is he just never lost sight of the word. Never lost sight of it. God spoke to his heart. He embraced that promise. And no matter how crazy Judaism became, and I'm sure he loved it. I'm sure he understood that at the very beginning, the covenant promises that he made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he understood that in the most purest way. And then here comes in religion and philosophy and ideology, and he sees it in his heart, just sinks within him. But he goes, you know what? I remember the promise. And he, ha- he never lost sight of the word. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of the word and don't make it complicated. He is to be a light. A light. He was a light to you. Remember when we talked about his origin, that he would be the one that would give light, and out of light would come life. And the reason you're here today, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is he allowed his light to shine on our miserable lives and showed us that we needed a Savior. Some of us got saved in the most simplistic way. Amen, guys? Some of us needed to be beat up by the Holy Spirit to get us here. But nonetheless, we're here. I pray you have received Christ. Um, But he would be a glory to the people of Israel. It doesn't say that he would be accepted, but he would be their glory. You know what, guys, the greatest accomplishment that the Jewish nation ever gave us, and they've accomplished many things. The Jewish people have been so blessed. They are his chosen people. But the greatest accomplishment they have ever achieved was to give us Christ. Just be careful. God has a glorious plan for the nation of Israel. He came first as a lamb. They rejected him. He will come again as a lion. And they will will accept him for who he is. He says to us in verse 33, Joseph and Mary marveled at those things which were spoken of, of him. Simeon blessed them. I don't know what he pronounced upon them, but he blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, behold, this child is set forth for the rise or for the fall and the rising again of many. In other words, this child is going to divide. He's going to divide. And guess what? He is still dividing. 
It tells us for a sign which shall be spoken against. You know, in some ways I don't, well, in some ways I understand why the Jewish nation rejected him. At least the majority of them. When you read the scriptures, you do see a Messiah coming and he will be one who will return the scepter back to Judah. In other words, he is going to knock off the Roman power. You know, they take the Roman yoke off their shoulders. He's going to establish Judah as that ruling tribe again. And he will be the one who will rule with a a sword. And I get that. And here comes Jesus. And he comes in humility. And they couldn't they couldn't wrap their minds around a suffering Messiah. That's not what I need. Listen, this is the Jewish mentality. This is not what I need. I don't need somebody that's going to be bruised and, and, and be um, pierced, hands and feet. For, I, we don't need that. We need Rome off our backs. And so there's no way this guy that was birthed in Bethlehem through a virgin can be our Messiah. So I, I, I understand the, the conflict to a point. But there were a remnant, and God always has a remnant. And they see not just a lion, a warrior, but they also see a lamb. They read Isaiah chapter 53, and they go, what on earth is this? Wounded my transgressions, bruised my iniquity, chastisement for my peace upon him. That doesn't sound like a lion. That doesn't sound like a coming king. You know, and they, they struggled inside. There was a little remnant, and Simeon and, and uh, Anna was part of that remnant who understood that there was more to the Messiah than him just coming as a king. Um, it tells us that yea is sword. And of course, there's several words for the word sword in the Hebrew. This is that very large one that they would use in, in combat. A sword shall pierce through thy own soul. He he is talking to Mary that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What he's saying here is he's saying, Mary, you know, this little child that I'm holding right now and pronouncing a blessing on you is going to this kid's going to bring a pain into your life. And. um, And of course, that takes us right to the cross, doesn't it? There was no one else at that at that site, Golgotha, that was hurt more deeply than Mary. This is her child. This is the one she went through labor with. This is the one where he said, there, this kid is going to cause many to rise and many to fall. This kid is going to bring a dagger right through your heart. Now, I know that Protestants, they have lowered Mary to the point where she's just another biblical character. The Catholics exalt her way too high. She was in need of a savior like everyone else. But there's no other woman in the Bible where God declares a person to be blessed because of who she's birthing. 
Blessed art thou, Mary, among women. Can't wait to see her. He will come as a conquering king, guys. They were looking for the wrong thing. He will come. He comes as a king. Prophetically, he touches the Mount of Olives. The east splits from the west. He goes through the Kindred Valley where the blood flows to the horse's bridle. He enters in through the eastern gate. He will take his place in Jerusalem. And he will be a conquering king. If you're saved, you're born again, and you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and you'll be with him, ruling and reigning. If you don't have him in your heart, if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, the next time you see him will be at the great white judgment seat of Christ. Just ask him to come into your life. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't let Satan fill your hearts and your minds that it's about a lot of do's and don'ts and regulations. That was the Pharisees. Don't let him try to convince you it's about money and it's greed. It's not. It's about humility and love. It's about having a personal relationship with him. This place could fall apart today. And we would be able to meet outside on that crazy hill I built and have church together because we are the church, not this place. Amen? Rich, if you make your way out. I love Anna. Not much is said about her other than she must have been um, married at one time. Some believe that seven years into the marriage, or was it seven? Yeah, I think it was seven years and. Her husband died, and she didn't want to get remarried, so she just went to the temple, and she just started serving God. And she was one of the remnant who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And it tells us that she lived over 80 years serving God. Someone asked me the other day, Harry, when are you retiring? Well, why? I wasn't planning on it. (laughs) Something I should know. I'll just, if once I can, I, I got a, car, a golf cart now, so I don't have to wear my legs out running around this place anymore. But there, are, God's raising up a lot of young bucks around me. I just, I'll just sit in a corner with a bib on. <laughs> I just want to be Simeon and Anna, knowing the word. Serving him, not making things complicated. Waiting for my king to come and get us out of here. Amen? Let's stand together. And again, um, just so you know, we... Whenever I have an altar call, honest to goodness, it's uh, the Lord's telling me to do it. Um, evangelism is just, it's not my gift. 
But I remember a pastor telling me, but at least present the gospel at every service. The good news that Christ died, buried, and rose for them. That all they have to do is just accept Christ into their hearts. That's what I'm saying to you. If While we're singing this last song, if you want to come up here, there's men and women up here on the prayer team that will pray with you so you can receive Christ. If you have a need and you just want someone to pray for you, make your way up here. So, um, love you guys. It just, it's always a joy to share his word. Father, we just ask God now that as we close with this song, Lord, that you would receive this song from our hearts. Lord, help us just to keep things real with you. Lord, your word says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Six things the Lord hates, yea, the seventh is an abomination. And one of those things, Lord, was pride. Please forgive us. Help us to find the lower seat always. Help us to find that place where we're in the background but always used for the kingdom. May it be said of us here, God, as we lift up the name of Jesus constantly. Your word said, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. So this morning, God, in our hearts, we lift, we elevate the name of Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Let's worship.